Alrighty, welcome everybody to episode 7 of Ultra Pro Max, the podcast where we talk about app development and the Apple ecosystem. Uh, my name is Luke. I'm coming at you with Josh and Sadia. We have some fun things on the docket today. We are always talking about our Apple devices and how we use them, what new devices we want to buy. Actually, that's probably what we're talking about most of the time is what we can buy and the new stuff that we can get. Today, in the spirit of Thanksgiving around the corner, we're going to be grateful for what we have and we're going to go through Josh's defaults, his default views for how he uses his devices, how he has them all laid out, because there's a million different ways you can use all of these wonderful products for Apple. So Josh, let's uh, let's dive into it. And and first of all, I want to say too, we've got a lot of screenshots here, and we're going to put those all into the show notes so you guys can uh, pop in there and follow along to see what we're talking about. Josh, we are going to critique you, and we are going to laugh at you and roast you for the way you have this set up, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. Let's Let's dive into it. Perfect. And before we go into some actual screenshots, yeah, I was seeing this thing go around on Mastodon, people sharing the app defaults that they use. So I posted a little article on my blog, which will be in the show notes of my default mail app. So we, we can talk about that if we want to, um, or we can jump into my what's on my Mac view. What, what do you want to start with, Luke? Uh, let's start with your defaults, the first thing here on the agenda. For mail, I use Hey. I've been using it for a couple of years since it was in beta. It's feature for me that works so well is being able to decide where emails go ahead of time. Um, it basically filters and I like that. So if it's a receipt from Best Buy, Best Buy receipts all go into a receipts area. I don't look at them. I like that control over my inbox and I haven't found another mail app quite as elegant for that. So that's why I'm still with Hey. That's why I like that one. Yeah, but you've got to use the web client, right? There is a Mac app client, but I don't use it. I just go to the web. <laughs> right. The Mac app is just a wrapper over the web client. It is, yes. And that's, I don't bother. I, I just log in. And I also have this thing. I don't know if I'm unique to this, but I log out of my email every day, which requires me to log back in and two-factor back in. That yeah, way... That is weird, Joshua. That is pretty weird. Yeah, why do you log out every time? It. I check my email 100 times a day, and it's a way to force me to have a little friction. So instead of having an app, I got to go to the web, log in, and I'm like, all right, that'll take me 20 seconds. I won't do it right now. And it's a way to try to give me a little bit of friction to not be checking email all the time. Oh, that's so funny. Are you like obsessed with Inbox Zero? Is that... Is that the reason? Yes, for a decade plus now. I, I, I live on Inbox mm -hmm. Zero, essentially, and I don't know if that's healthy, but that's what I do. Yeah, me too. But I think that I have the ability to just say, oh, yeah, I'm happy to leave three or four emails in there because it's 8 p.m. and I can wait till, that can wait till tomorrow. But tomorrow morning, I'll get to it. For that, I use um, Hayes feature, which is basically bubble this back up tomorrow. <laughs> so that it gets mm -hmm. back to inbox zero so it's my way of kind of cheating it maybe the better solution is to actually just fix your brain so that you don't have to be constantly checking your email rather than constantly logging in and how out. do i do that i don't know you got to rewire something somewhere you do you, do you have any traumatic experiences in your past joshua <laughs> Well, I'll defer that question. <laughs> you can do what I did and accidentally subscribe to a whole bunch of stuff and make your inbox really scary. Then it's really easy not to check your email. A little dangerous, but I would not suggest that. I would not suggest it at all. That's where you get 20,000 emails and you declare bankruptcy. I've been there. I oh, yeah. think that I've had a couple instances where a critical email came through that was the difference between getting a project or not getting a project or losing a large amount of money. And that's kind of, it's kind of become like a gambling <laughs> thing. If I check it... 
99.9% of the time it doesn't matter, but once every year or two it will matter. So my brain thinks that it will, like trying to win the lottery. Now, does it ever matter to the point where it's like minutes count, hours count? Or is it always like, okay, the next day would have been fine? I mean, practically speaking, always the next day would have been fine, right? I don't run life critical support systems for some technology company. I'm a designer, right? right? It, it, it can right, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> so what's next on the list? There's a lot. So I'll just pick through a couple that are interesting. I want to talk about three. The first is notes. I use Bear Notes Premium, and I'm trying to switch to Apple Notes. That's I, I've been on a journey for the last couple weeks trying to see if I can do it. I did a mass export from Bear with a mass import into Apple Notes of, I think, 4,000 notes. And Apple Notes gave me a warning that 1,500 notes were not imported without any clarification for why. Terror. <laughs> so it gave me... The 1500 that were not imported so technically i could do a diff but i'm like screw this i'm not ready so i'm still between the two trying to figure out if i can transition over they each have their pros and cons and i i'm i am liking apple notes more and more but i can't quite make that transition yet oh yeah man i spend so much time in apple notes i think of all of the apple apps i use i get the most out of notes as in like i use the most features all of the apple apps have all of these great little hidden features like the calendar app has support for Hebrew and Arabic calendars and maybe another Chinese. Notes has like locked notes and tagging and folders and all of this stuff. And I think I use notes a lot for all of those little features. I've tried to use tagging and it's never stuck with me on any app ever. So I just trust to search and hope that it's good enough. And I do like the pin feature. So I'll pin the three to five notes that are most important up to the top. And then I just trust that I'll find search or recency for the rest. And notes are an important part of my life. I take meeting notes. I have notes of Anything that's not like a critical to-do list, it goes into a note and it's essentially a second brain for me. Yeah, I, I love both those apps and I'm trying to figure out if just one of them will win out and we'll see. So where do you put your to-do list? I use things three. I used to be an omni-focused person. I used to use to that list, remember the milk, clear, if anyone remembers that app from back in the day. I've been through just about all of them and things three has stuck the most over the last five years. And I don't know if I could properly run my life without it <laughs> it's it that and my ca calendar which i'll talk about in a moment but those two are just so critical for me i i've used analog for to-do lists i've tried everything and this one has been the most consistent for me is there like a key feature that really makes it stand out for you like how it i don't know reminds you of certain tasks or like the way it organizes the tasks or yes i operate on today's view so i have anywhere from three to 20 items that I need to do today. And that's everything between taking the trash out to the curb, just handles everything from my uh, day job to my personal to-dos. All the stuff that I could think of needing to do is in there. Or if there's a big project I'm working on, it's Joshua, check on that big project, which is in a bear note or Apple note or a Figma file. So it's the way to see what's going on today. And then throughout the day, we may need to talk about my brain in this way as well. But throughout the day, I will then move stuff off to other days or check them off. It doesn't mean I expect I will do everything in a given day, but it means I'll in some way process it so I won't forget it because I'm incredibly forgetful. But if I'm like, oh, I, I thought I needed to install a dash cam on our car today. Well, I'm not going to do it today, but I'll move it to Wednesday so I can come back around to it. And that's a way it's kind of like a, a memory database for me because every single day when I open it, 
all the items from yesterday that I didn't move over, they pop back in today, and then I move them to future dates. So it's a very manual process. There's no automation, and I, I really like that. Well, that's kind of cool. Worth the 50 bucks, because I see on uh, the App Store, it's worth $50, which is kind of way steeper than I thought it was going to be for a simple to-do app. And I've used it daily for five years based on that initial $50. Like that's, if you think of- um, Bargain. App, yes. If you think of apps that you pay for monthly, that's absolute a, a bargain. Man, I miss one one purchase app. But things full can't be far away, right? I, I can't imagine it can be too far away because things too, they stuck with for an, I think five years as well. I used to use OmniFocus, but it had way too many features and things three has just that right balance of features. I would love, there are some updates I would love to suggest for things. Uh, um, and I'm hoping that they can fix a few things. Oh man, maybe that's something to talk about later. But there are there are some wish list items I have. The final thing that I want to talk about in app defaults is my calendar. So. Sadia has been hammering me for a couple of months on this topic. I have finally switched from Google Calendar to Apple Calendar completely. Woo! Hey. <laughs> and I spent one evening moving every item from my Google Calendar, my personal Google Calendar, to my Apple Calendar for the next year. So I went through every single item, moved them over on my Mac, and then I had to update my iPhone to, to make sure it was pulling that in properly. Then I had to update my wife's iPhone because we have a shared calendar to see if that was pulling up properly. Uh, and the reason I did that, the, the linchpin for me, was my Google Calendar to Apple Calendar to Apple Watch was not, it would randomly pull in some events and not, or not truly random, but I couldn't figure it out. I, it's so important to me to see my to-do list and my calendar at all times that that was, that was worth me pulling it over. There is one exception. My, my work, my job calendar is, is a Google Calendar, so I'm pulling that in. So that is the, uh, the day the day events from my job meetings, they're still pulled in separately, but that's the closest I can get. And it's a big win for me. It actually feels like this, one of those massive use, when I moved from OmniFocus to things, I've moved from Google Calendar to Calendar after 10 years, 15 years. So this is a milestone for me. Congratulations. Amazing. Based on your responses, are you both on an Apple Calendar? Uh, I, we'll, we'll get into, I want to critique both of you in the future, but I'm curious what you're both using. Yeah. Apple Calendar, I've always been Apple Calendar though. And so there's never been a migration process for me. Although I have had Google calendars in my Apple calendar in the past and it's worked perfectly well. So I'm not, I'm a bit confused by like having to move your events over, but anyway, yeah, the Apple calendar. The factor is there is some kind of issue with the Apple watch because I have a complication on my watch to show the very next event and it would skip events that came from the Google calendar occasionally. And I could not figure out why that was what kind of made me decide to switch. This may be way too niche, but last week or a couple of weeks ago, I decided to try to build a, a website where I could share my availability calendar thing. Um, so I was pouring through the, not really an API, but just the JSON object that comes from the ICS data for the Apple calendar. And recurring events were an absolute nightmare. They don't, there's no really good way in their their JSON object that they're really explaining how the, the recurring event happens. It basically says, this is a recurring event. These are the days. No, it doesn't even tell you it's a recurring event. It just says in the thing, like, okay, it checks Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as being true. And that indicates that it's a recurring event. If it skips a day, like if you go to like, you know, delete one in the middle, of a, of a recurring series. Sometimes it'll create a new date object in that JSON tree. Sometimes it won't. And it's just terribly confusing. So that might be 
might be part of your conundrum. I would love to know why. Yes, because some of them are recurring events and some aren't. I, I got to ask though, Luke, uh, why weren't you using something like Calendly? You know, I, okay, so I was using, what's it called? You can book me okay. for like lessons and stuff. And it would, it worked great with Google Calendar, but it wouldn't work great with uh, Apple Calendar. And so I thought it was an Apple Calendar issue or, you know, something weird like that. And I hated Google Calendar. So I said, listen, all I want is to be able to show my availability, like have somebody go look at a week view of a calendar and see where all my events are and have them just say busy, right? Super simple. You know, at the end of the day, it was not invented here syndrome. Shortly after I found Calendly and said, dang it, this does exactly what I need it to do. Pretty simple. I can strip it down and not pay. So now I'm using Calendly, but it was a fun exercise. I love it. It is one of those things where Calendly is just one more app that I feel I have to pay a subscription for. I don't. I use the free version, but it it would be nice to have some of these things not be subscriptions. I'll move on from the app defaults and jump to the Mac default view that I have. I just want you guys to uh, gaze at the beauty of this. This is my default view. This is what I see on my Mac when I open up my desktop. Trees. That's beautiful. I love it. That's it. Nothing else. I will give it. So for the listener, if you don't pull up the screenshot, it is just a desktop wallpaper everything is hidden. My dock is hidden. My menu bar at the top is hidden unless I move my mouse over to those uh, sides. And the dock, of course, is on the right side because that's the only way to have it. I will still disagree. <laughs> I don't think we've had this conversation before, but I, I tried it. I tried it for a day. Oh, I man. hated it. I tried it too. Oh, I gave it a good week. Yeah, no. Sorry, Joshua. <laughs> You're wrong about this one. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't understand people who do bottom view. I, I, I go in and fix computers when I see it like that. I move it to the side. <laughs> I use Alt-Tab a lot, uh, Command-Tab, as I think most of us do, but I have two hot corners. Bottom right hot corner opens the desktop. Top right hot corner opens Mission Control to see all of my apps. So I don't really use the dock. I rarely ever have it open. I have very few items on the dock, except for the, the currently active items. So the dock is essentially not necessary and because the way I use the Mac. I think that's the difference. I don't use my mouse to open apps. I use command search uh, command space to search for apps or i will use mission control to open my current apps okay i'm exactly the same i keep my menu bar visible though that's one difference and i like my dock at the bottom of the screen i don't use it at all like you i've only got my active apps in it but occasionally i'll want to do one of two things i'll want to just check what apps have i actually got open at the moment and so I'll scroll down and have a check. And the other thing is, I'll empty my trash periodically. I like to know where it is. And it went, when I had it on the right-hand side, it was just always... I mean, okay, so I, I appreciate the symmetry, especially when I've got Stage Manager active, because I've got my Stage Manager on my left and my Dock on my right. That's nice. I don't know. It just takes too much to get used to. I wish I had a better answer. I think I also, because I'm on a 14-inch laptop, space is at a maximum for me or minimum, whatever that is. I don't have much room. So the dock is not as useful for me because of how I use it. And I jumping to the next screenshot, what I'll do, I think I'm very frenetic when it comes to applications and software, as, as listeners are probably getting a sense of things. <laughs> I get distracted incredibly easily. So I do everything I can to not to ha- add friction. And the dock, I do go look at it throughout the day quite often. So here's an example of the dock right before I got into this meeting. It has the finder, obviously, which you can't get rid of that. I tried back in the day. And then it has the trash can, which I empty out pretty much daily if I see it. And then Apple Calendar and Mars Edit. And what I'll do is I will occasionally lock 
apps to the dock if I'm trying to build a habit. I've been trying to build a habit to write with Mars Edit now instead of going to wordpress.org slash admin. So that I put that in there as a reminder. And so I'll occasionally lock items in there for a couple of months and then remove them once they're part of my habit. That's why Apple Calendar and Mars Edit are on there. I don't think you're weird. This looks the same as mine. I use also, I use um, Bartender, although I do have the date as well. When I'm on battery, which is not very often, I also have the battery up there. And when I'm recording, it also shows a microphone up there. Ah, yes. Mine is showing a microphone right now. And Bartender just helps me so much with not feeling distracted. I I used to have the date up there, but I can tap on the time to see the date. And my Apple Watch also has the date. So that's why I'm not as big on it um, and not as worried about showing it. So for the listeners, up in the menu bar, it's Bartender, which is an app that hides a bunch of things. And then it's the, what is that, Control Center? Notification center? What's that called? Control center. And then the the time. Nice and simple. Maybe I'll, I'll switch mine too. And then un- underneath bartender, I don't really worry about it. There's like another six or seven items, which technically we should review, but I'm, I don't care. <laughs> I do want to say though, I you guys are operating on a completely different paradigm than I am, I think. My, my dock is full at the bottom. My menu bar on top is full of little widgets and stuff. I just love to be able to like see everything all in one glance and just flicker my eyes empty desk means empty mind cluttered desk means cluttered mind i don't think either of those are true (laughs) i think different people just operate in different ways sometimes need to just have everything around and available to you to get stuff done other times you need nothing around and that's i fall on the ladder more often i just like lose my mind you know seeing images of people i don't know airplane cockpit a thousand different knobs all around them i'm like oh that's the most beautiful thing so yeah i I guess i am that way (laughs) to be fair with the Mac screenshots, that's not during the day. During the day, I have tabs open and apps open, all the projects for my job, and it's it's just full of apps all day long. And then I clear it out each evening. That way, the next day starts fresh. Or sometimes if I'm just completely shot, I'll just shut the laptop lid and walk away. <laughs> so that's not indicative of how it normally is during active use. That is the default state when, when I'm not running a project. No, that's smart. Moving to your iPhone, I see that you truly have taken to heart the the two fundamental apps of the iPhone, messages and calling. <laughs> really what a phone should be. <laughs> Walk us more through what, what's going on here. I was so happy when widgets became available. I don't have any apps other than those two available on the home screen. And I swipe right to see my app library. I love that feature that Apple released where if you can just hide an app, it goes into the app library so you can find it via search. I, I use that all day long. Now, do you have that library organized somehow? I used to, and it used to just drive me crazy. But then about a year or two ago, Apple just offers the option to automatically sort it. So I don't even think about it anymore. So I don't even think I need to bother doing my own iPhone screen demo at some point in the future, because this is basically my home screen, what I'm (laughs) looking at. I use a black background instead of the moon background that you've got. I don't know why you've got your messages on the left and your phone on the right. It's clearly supposed to be the other way around. That's how I do it because I use messages far more often than I use the phone and I'm right-handed, so. I'll tell you why. I'm testing it right now. My thumb, without stretching or compressing it, perfectly touches the messages app when I'm holding it (laughs) right-handed. The other one, I have to like bend it back a little bit. So that is actually the perfect spot for my thumb to tap on messages, which is the most used app on my iPhone. I, I do have some different widgets than you, but. So I've got Apple Calendar, which is at the top, which shows 
events uh, today, tomorrow, whatever it kind of drops in. And then I've got my things app, which shows the top three items for to do today. And then I'll tap on it to open it. I actually do not like as much as I thought it, I would that it's an interactive widgets because I accidentally check stuff off sometimes without meaning to. I wish there was a way to disable that. But other than that, those are the two widgets that I'm seeing. Each of them are taking up a third view and a third view. And I reserve the bottom third sometimes when I'm testing out my own design idea. I'll put it as a screenshot, but I'm not currently. And what are you using, Sadia, for your widgets? Okay, so I've got a two by three grid. So you've got two large widgets. Instead, I have six small widgets. So they do take up another row. On the left-hand side, we have calendar. And below that is my banking app, Up, it's called. And it's I don't think it's in the States, but it is the best banking experience ever. It's just unreal. And that's actually, so I've got my, my current account balance as well as the last purchase shows up in the widget there. Got that as a widget, what do you call it, a stack? Because I've got my account and then also my shared account that I have with my wife in the stack. And then below that, I have like another stack that's what I'm listening to. So I've got Libby, music, books, and Overcast all in there. That I, If I want to listen to something, I just go there, swipe through to the thing I want to listen to and hit play. On the right-hand side, I've got Duolingo, which, you know, I've got a 485-day streak. So it's nice to have that. And it's a good little reminder there. Below is Water Llama. I have a zero-day streak on <laughs> Water Llama. And then below that one is like a few different stats, at, you know, in a stack. So I've got like my rings, I've got my sleep, I've got my screen time, but no apps like you, no apps at all. If you can blur out some things, I'd love to share that as a screenshot. Otherwise, in a future episode, we'll chat about what you've done. It's all right. I don't need to blur anything out. I've, I've got like 60 bucks in my, you know, <laughs> spending account. It's not our life savings or anything and shown on the home screen on my phone. That's awesome. Let's jump to let's jump to the watch view for you, Joshua. I love this new... <laughs> the ultra watch face that came out it has six complications it has actually i guess technically eight complications which is probably a little bit of overkill it has temperature the next time it's going to have precipitation voice memos my daily activity movement my things check marks so i can open up things and the calendar date along with the time in digital. Uh, analog is horrible. I will never, ever be able to stick with analog. And then my the next event for my Apple Calendar. And I love it. It's so great. All those complications are fantastic. The one I want to call out, voice memos. I have that in there because sometimes I just want to talk and take, take a note down. So I'll tap on that and I'll just start recording to talk to myself. This is so cool. I still have the Series 3 and my complications are severely limited. I didn't realize it was a uh, device thing. I thought, oh, they came out with new complications. I can just update my watch and get them. Nope gotta buy a new watch it's only the ultra that has all of these which is incredibly uh, frustrating it would be nice on a series 9 if you could get some variation of this but uh, <laughs> gotta gotta fork out the money for an ultra i don't know i'm on my series 9 i reckon i have just about as much i have one two three four five six seven eight how many did you say you have here three circular complications above three below and two spaces for large complications right where's the second space for large complications i guess technically it's the time oh uh, gotcha that you no, i'm incorrect you can't change the time all right so you have seven no my my series nine is better i i, I think even on i would i wouldn't even use this i'd use what I it's have called now. modular ultra and it's perfect for me which one are you using if you tap and hold on it it'll tell you the name of the one you're using uh info 
photograph. Maybe we can have a screenshot from yours as well <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> I don't mean to just compare everything, but I'm, of course, that's what everybody does, you know? Like <laughs> That's why we're sharing it. I, I want to hear what you're doing versus me. But no, see, the thing is, Joshua, that I guess I didn't realize we're so similar in everything. <laughs> like, I also have a blank desktop and, you know, I also use Bartender and I also have nothing on my uh, screen of my phone and I also have a ridiculously complicated set of complications on my watch face. It's just weird. I don't know. How many other people are like us? I, I don't know. Is this weird or is this like you? No, that's a fair point. I think it's maybe it's normal. I mean, my phone is probably a lot different than your guys's. I still have a bunch of apps on my phone. I've limited it quite a bit. Like most of my apps are in my library. I do still like to see all the red badges from notifications sitting on my home screen, at least for the important app. So the apps that I want to keep up with. What are some of the apps that you currently allow to have red badges? Because for me, it's only messages and phone. I cannot handle red badges from any other. So they're all turned off. Maybe <laughs> I'm the oldest of four siblings and two of them had righteous sets of lungs growing up. So I think I'm just like immune to distractions because <laughs> I have red patches all over the place. <laughs> what what sticks out to me the most is probably, yeah, messages, mail. I still use Snapchat a little bit, so that's sitting there too. Yeah, that's that's about the gist of it, honestly. What's the most important? But maybe my banking app, I, you know, if my banking app has something important to say to me, I'd like to see that badge pop up, and it does occasionally. That's where with my banking app, I, I have it set up so it'll send me a text message and an email. The app is not great, so I kind of just expect that those other two methods will get me if something critical happens. Oh, that's smart. I love uh, how you guys got stuff set up. I'm thinking about going and uh, you've given me some inspiration to kind of declutter my life a little but bit. So. Before you make any changes, though, I'd love for you just to capture some screenshots so we can talk about it. <laughs> Sure, sure, will do. We just want to, we just want to hate on how terrible your setup is. Yeah, I would say I haven't put like that much thought into it. I don't take that much pride in it, so I'm kind of like, you can look at it. I, I'm more interested in my Mac, to be honest. So for our last item, there's this really great short article on the beauty of finished software. Josim.co. He references Jose. All right, assuming a male. My apologies for not prepping ahead of time. <laughs> Reference this author, George R.R. R. Martin, the author of Game of Thrones, as using WordStar, a popular word processor from the 80s, for writing his novels, which you can infer all the jokes you want about why he hasn't finished the novels. But still, it hasn't changed in 40 years, and he loves it that way. The short little article calls out the idea of when you buy hardware, you accept that it has a limited lifespan, and it won't change on the whole. You buy it as it is, and you use it. When you buy software... You expect it to change. And for me, maybe I'm getting old, but as it changes, I'm having a harder time modifying and catching up with all those changes. So I just called out the beauty of how some software, what if it didn't change? You bought it, you pay for it, and it, other than security and minor updates, it's kind of as you expect it to go. And that was just stood out to me as a fantastic piece. So I, I, I'll put it into the show notes. That's fascinating, especially as like I've been doing freelance development and there's always that kind of discussion of like, when is this actually done? You know, the client will ask for one thing, we've done it. And then, you know, they're always asking for more features or more changes or more updates. And software is truly alive. Software will never die. A lot of clients that are asking for software, especially if they're not, you know, super familiar with the software world, they'll just, you know, ask for a product and then kind of just expect it to survive on its own once they you know have their satisfactory features and it doesn't it will mold over time and you just have to continually keep it alive with the software i've been working on for the last couple of years th there's always gonna be some update we're always trying to tweak things we're always trying to modify things i'm not necessarily opposed to that it kind of is the reason i have a career but at some point it would be nice to know that 
maybe this is why I like Things 3 so much. Overall, the paradigm shift hasn't changed much in quite a while, and I'm happy. I paid it, and I'm done. Maybe it's not the best way to grow a massive business with a ton of money, but it does make me a happy long-term uh, customer. That's so true. Like you buy a piece of software and you kind of just, you know, especially if you love it and it does everything you need it to do. And then all of a sudden they do have like a fundamental update. Now you're just like, oh, what do I do now? I paid for this thing. You know, if it's a subscription, I guess it's not the biggest deal. You just stop paying the subscription and away you go. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're kind of just yanked around at the whim of, of these software companies. Software, you're right. It goes moldy, requires maintenance. It's like the... APIs that we use, they change, and the operating system that we use, it changes. And it's natural that software also is a gooey thing. You know, it's got to mold, it's got to adapt, it's got to fill in the gaps. So we should be, subscription is the right model for software. And I know that Things 3 isn't subscription, but it is subscription. It's essentially $50 for five years, $10 a year. That's how much you're really paying for it. And then Things 4 comes out, and then hopefully you pay $50 again. I don't know. I I think it's a good thing the way that it's set up. I agree with that premise. I paid a large amount and I don't have to think about it again. And I don't feel that I'm beholden to them. So if in a couple of years they don't give me a great one, I can switch. Maybe it's just a a mental game. And maybe that's not the best business model for them today. Uh, So I'm curious what they will do when they release things for. But but what I'm trying to say is that it's it is the same business model it's just a different slightly different twist on it to make you think and feel differently about it but it's essentially the same thing they're getting five years worth of lock-in you know it's just like you can sell a plan for one month at a time or you can sell it for a year at a time or in this case in the case of things they're selling it for five years at a time ish you know like maybe six who knows? Uh, that gives them some flexibility as well. And so, I don't know. I, I still think it's subscription software. It's just a, a slight twist on it to make you feel better about it. But it's the same model. It's all just psychological marketing. Makes me wonder if Things 2 is still available on the App Store. If it is, then that would kind of detract from your point, but I don't see it. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way it would be. Yep. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us again uh, for another episode of Ultra Pro Max. Um, we're going to make this plug again because we are still new and we, well, actually, we're always going to make this plug probably. We, we would always love to have your feedback um, as the listener. Please shoot us an email at, I do this every time, shoot us an email at email at ultrapromax.fm. The email is email at ultrapromax.fm. Uh, we would love to hear any feedback that you guys have, topic suggestions, uh, the like, you name it. So uh, that's it. Um, thank you all so much for joining us. And I'm Luke. I'm Joshua. And Sadia.